This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. What do you think is the biggest uh, enemy or opponent of free speech today? The biggest enemy? I don't think it's the state. It used to be the state. The state would kind of smash its boot down on any idea or ideology that it thought was dodgy or questionable or dangerous. Now, that still happens, particularly in Europe. We have hate speech laws which have seen kind of religious people being arrested and critics of Islam being fined. So that stuff still happens. But the real threat to free speech now, I think, is conformism and cowardice and a reluctance among ordinary people, students, uh, people in the workplace, everyday people, to have the debate out, to take risks intellectually, to, to express what's in their minds out loud. So there's a real kind of culture of conformism. Slater, Slater's America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. Excited for today's show. we got a lot to do, obviously. Um, I want to play this clip here. If... You may have heard it already. Uh, we're going to play it in its entirety because it is imperative that we all hear this. Because this is going to get worse. And one day you're going to say, how did this happen? And if you don't hear this, then you won't be able to answer that question. Because this, what I'm going to play for you, is one of the stepping stones. So we're going to talk about this stepping stone. And then this was on, I think, Wednesday. And then this last Thursday, there was another stepping stone to get us where we are right now. But first, this clip. Um, I find this line of questioning so disturbing. My jaw was on the floor when I was watching this. I hate every second of it. And the next step is attacking you. So this is Anderson Cooper talking to the Attorney General of Florida. Now, I'll just give my analysis here first. The argument is from Anderson Cooper that because Pam Bondi, the attorney general, is in favor of traditional marriage and fought against gay marriage in the courts, because she held that opinion, she now has no moral authority to have anything to do with the terrorist attack in her home state. She can't help in any way. She can't have opinions about it. She can't do her job as attorney general. She can't grieve with the families because she never supported gay marriage in the past. This is what's been so troubling of this last week. The battle lines have been drawn and it only took a couple hours, but here it is. It's as clear as day. You have tolerance on one side. Now tolerance of course is defined by the left. So in this case, tolerance is in order to get on this team, the tolerance team, which everyone wants to be on, you must have always supported gay marriage. Okay. So if you've always supported gay marriage, then you're on the tolerance team. 
If you if you're not, then you're on the other team, the other side. Now, who's on that team? Everyone else. Christians, conservatives, bigots, Klan members, and terrorists. Right? Everyone. So does that make sense? One team, it's everyone who always supported gay marriage. Now, Hillary and Barack Obama, of course, get a pass. They're in that team. The other team is everyone else. You, ISIS members, all of them. Now, It's impossible, impossible, that Anderson Cooper and other people on the left can't understand the distinction that I can be against gay marriage and still not want 49 gay people killed. Like, like that just, that's a reasonable distinction to make. I'm for traditional marriage. Uh, I'm against gay marriage, but I don't want to kill 49 of them. Okay, like like every human being can understand that distinction. So there's no way that Anderson Cooper and the left don't. There's no way that really deep down they're like, well, that's the same thing to me. <laughs> I, just, I can't believe that. So this is all intentional. And I want to talk about why coming up in a little bit. But first, we must acknowledge that this is the case. All right. So I want to play this clip. It's long. It's five minutes. Sit back. Because we're going to reference this for a long time. This moment right here, we are going to reference for a very long time, I promise you. And the ending to this clip is the most pathetic 30 seconds I've ever witnessed in the media. There's no more pathetic, disgraceful low than this. It makes me cringe. Here it is. I want to ask you, um, I saw you the other day saying that um, anyone who attacks the LGBT community, our LGBT community, you said, will be gone after with the full extent of the law. Um, I talked to a lot of gay and lesbian people here yesterday who are are not fans of yours and who said that they thought you were being a hypocrite, that you for years have fought, uh, you've basically gone after gay people, said that in court that gay people, simply by fighting for marriage equality, were trying to do harm to the people of Florida to induce uh, public harm, I believe was the term you used in court. Do you really think you're a champion of the gay community? Uh, I, let me tell you, I, when I was sworn in as Attorney General, I put my hand on the Bible and was sworn to uphold the Constitution of the state of Florida. That's not a law. That was voted into our state constitution by the voters of Florida. That's what I was defending. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do. I've never said I don't like gay people. That's but ridiculous. But you did say. But do you worry about using language accusing gay people of trying to do harm to the people of Florida? That, when doesn't that send a message to some people who might have bad ideas Anderson, in mind? I don't believe gay people could do harm to the state of Florida. We're but you argued gays. that in court. My lawyer argued a case defending what the Supreme Court allowed the voters to put in our state right, constitution. But you were arguing that gay marriage, if, if, if there was gay marriage, if there was same-sex marriage, that would do harm to the people of Florida, to Florida society. That it was constitutional to put that in, this, in the constitution. Are you saying you did not believe it would do harm to Florida? Of course not. Of course not. Gay, gay people, no, I've never said that. I, those you, words that have never come out of spe- my mouth. But that is specifically what you were arguing in court. Y- you know, no. No, what we argued was it was in the Constitution of the state of Florida. Let me give you an example. Medical marijuana. A 12-year-old could get it if it passed. We took that to the Supreme Court because of that language. Hold on. But if that passed... 
I would defend that as well because it's my job to defend what's in the Constitution of the state of Florida. The, That's the, what it was about. The hotline that, that you've been talking about on television, which allows family members and spouses of the dead to get information, uh, yes. which is incredibly important and, and I appreciate you talking about it on the air. Had there been no gay marriage, had there been no same-sex marriage, you do realize that spouses, there would be no spouses, that boyfriends and girlfriends of the dead would not be able to get information and would not be able to probably even visit in the hospital here. Well, so isn't the, there a, a sick irony in that? Well, yeah, and let me tell you something. Let me take it a step farther. Um, people aren't, right now, who are partners and aren't married um, officially aren't able to get information. So we're trying to assist them in getting information. Because early but isn't on, isn't there a sick irony that people. you, for years, were fighting the, that very idea? I was defending the Constitution of what's over 69% of the voters put right. in the Constitution. But the, you know, the courts, the federal court said that's not the Constitution, right. and you continued and to fight it. No, that's why we rushed it to get it to the U.S. Supreme Court, well, because we needed Before finality. it was the Supreme Court, there was a federal judge, and you continued to fight it after the federal judge ruled, and in he fact, won't, you he spent won't let hundreds it drop. of thousands of dollars of taxpayer money well, Anderson, fighting it. Well, we rushed to get it to the Supreme Court. You know what today is about? Human beings. Today right. is about victims. It's about gay and lesbian here. victims. It sure is. Right. LGBT right. victims. I'm just wondering, about, is it hypocritical to, to portray yourself as a champion of the gay community when I'm, I'm just reflecting what I'm a lot not, of gay people have told me they don't see you as Anderson, that? Anderson, I'm not portraying myself as anything other than trying to help human beings right. who have lost their lives, who are right behind all right, us this right is the, now This is the worst part of all. Who have family members who aren't getting the services they need. This morning, you know what I've been doing? Trying to fight with a funeral home for overcharging family members to bury their loved ones. I'm not championing anything other than Floridians. That's what it's about. And this is about victims who need help. This is about family members who need services. It's just that I, I will say I have never really right seen here. you talk about gays and lesbians and transgender people in a positive way until now. Um, I read your Twitter history for the last year, and I saw you tweeting about, you know, National Dog Month and National Shelter Dog Appreciation Day or Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. You know, it is Gay Pride Month. You've never even tweeted about Gay Pride Month. I mean, well, actually, if you look at my um, website now, we have hands clasped together, mm -hmm. um, all different colored rainbow hands. So you just put that up now? Uh, yeah, I did after right. this horrible tragedy, right. absolutely. Well. The only thing I'm championing are human Ugh. beings whose lives were lost. So that's your message to gay and lesbian people here? Because again, I'm just telling you what people have been telling me to ask you. Um, moving forward, do you see yourself as being a vocal champion for gay and lesbian citizens in the state? They are citizens just like anyone else, of course. I, I, my goodness, Anderson, we've had 49 people murdered simply because they were in a bar at the wrong time. Right. That's horrible. Yeah. I'm a career prosecutor. Um, these family members are devastated. Well, it's good these to hear, surviving yeah. victims are devastated. I know I That's what this is about. Right. I know a lot of gay and lesbian people in the state want to feel that the people who represent them represent everybody in the state. We're I mean, human beings, right. and that's what this is about. Well, I appreciate that's you talking about okay. it. Let's stop it. That is, that, so is un, that is un... <laughs> I, I can't... I can't... The ending there is unbelievable. Uh, here, this is Edward Hamilton. Uh, the most telling moment is where Cooper castigates her for tweeting insufficiently frequently about gay pride. Insufficient tweeting! How can she even look herself in the mirror each morning with so much blood on her hands? Luckily, she reassures him that she's up to quota now on her rainbow tweets. 
What the heck is that? That is un- and, and so someone uh, a listener the other day called that hate baiting. That's what Anderson Cooper did to her. It was hate baiting, putting her in this corner where she had to do this ridiculous. Well, just just the other day, I I tweeted uh, rainbow hands clasped together. Like what what that what 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 is going on? I mean, the argument here is: listen, <laughs> Bam, you've you've never tweeted about Gay Pride Month before, so I mean, <laughs> you're basically a terrorist. <clears throat> I mean, you've never tweeted the gay pride flag before, so uh, you can't be on our side on this issue. On this issue? This issue is the murder of 49 people. I can't be on your side on this What are you talking about? Again, the, I, I, can't, I can't. Anderson Cooper's a smart guy. There's no way he believes. There's no way he really believes that if I didn't support gay marriage in the past, that I want or I'm okay with 49 people being killed now. All right. That's just a stepping stone. I'll take a break. I'll come back. I'll tell you the next stepping stone. I think that was Wednesday. I'll tell you about what happened on Thursday. I'll just give it away right now. Wednesday was, you can't have anything to do with this terrorist attack. It's not yours. All right. It's only gay people's. Only they can grieve. Only they can. And they're allies. Right? So it's not, it's not an attack on Americans. It's an attack on gay people. You can't be a part of it. Okay. That, that was that stepping stone right there. The next stepping stone is you, conservative Christian, you are partially responsible for what happened. It's one thing to say that you can't have anything to do with it. It's another thing to say you caused it. And that's what the New York Times did the next day. Holy cow. We need to know this progression. We'll break it down a little more next. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Mike Slater. I wish we were talking during the break, Flip and I, producer Flip, about uh, what Pam Bondi should have said there, the Florida Attorney General. Clearly, she was blindsided because it was the most absurd line of questioning I've ever, I've ever heard. Clearly, she said to that Anderson, how dare you suggest that? Because I believe in traditional marriage that I want gay people to be murdered. Is that what you're saying? You're saying I want this? Shut up. Like, like quiet, quiet. I'm at, I'm at it. Like, dude, like, like, I, honestly, I would go, I would say it like this. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use shut up, right? People don't like that word. I'd say, uh, Anderson, are you really suggesting that I want these people murdered? I'm gonna, I don't think that's really what you meant, Anderson. So I'm going to give you another chance to, to word your question. And I'll give him another chance. And if, and if there's the same sort of subtle accusation, I'm out of there. Like, I, oh, we're not. This is not a conversation. How dare you suggest that I want these people killed because I believe in traditional marriage? And then you're gone. Instead of doing that five minutes of that ridiculous dance. So I want to read here from Brandon O'Neill, um, editor of Spiked Magazine in, in England. And I, I think he's spot on with this. Um, it, it's amazing how this, and I said this on Lou Dobbs yesterday on Fox Business, how quickly 
this terrorist attack from an Islamic extremist turned into a hate crime against gay people caused by Christians and conservatives. Like that is like that. It turned like, like, whoa, what? How did this work like that? So here's Brandon O'Neill with astonishing speed and more than a little narcissism. Gay leaders and commentators used the massacre to shore up their greatly prized victim status in the realm of identity politics. This is why the post-massacre discussion quickly descended into a petty clash over terminology, over whether this was a hate crime or an act of terrorism. It's pretty clear why gay opinion formers are elevating the hate crime take over the Islamic issue. Firstly, because it allows them to avoid hard political questions about ISIS, about the killer's ideological motivations, which, by the way, are a whole moral universe away from the outlook of the baker who doesn't want to bake a gay wedding cake. But the left wants to make those things like the same. Like, like the, the, because that person didn't bake a, gay, a cake for a gay wedding, uh, they're, they created a culture of hatred which allowed and created this hate crime to occur. Like that's the argument. That's their moral. Okay. Secondly, because reading the massacre in this way as a terrorist attack, or excuse me, in, um, as a hate crime, exploiting it in this way, allows gay activists to fortify their victim status. In the world of identity politics, victimhood is the chief currency. You win recognition and moral resources through demonstrating your fragility. This means identity politics doesn't only give rise to communal blocks in place of human solidarity. It also stokes up competitive victimhood with black, Muslim, trans, gay, and other sectional grouplets continually seeking stats or using relatively rare occurrences to boost their claims to existential brittleness. This PC sectionalism cuts to the very cuts to the heart of the crisis of humanism. Witness how some are policing the media coverage to make sure everyone says it was a gay club that was attacked and are demanding that more LGBT voices be given a platform to talk about the massacre. The idea is that gay people feel the assault, understand it more than straight people do. As one British newspaper column, which I totally disagree with, as one British newspaper columnist angrily said to a news presenter who suggested the attack, the massacre was an attack both on gays and on the West, he said, you don't understand this because you aren't gay. Behold the new communalism. This is the key. Only blacks can empathize with black pain. Only women can challenge misogyny. Only gays can truly feel the horror of Orlando. You must have experienced something to know it, which is an alarming negation of the ideal of human empathy. We all live in ethnic or gender blocks now, competing with other blocks for official pity and insisting that those other blocks will never know how we feel. This is the tragic fraying of humanism. And he ends with this. He says, enough. Our response to Orlando should be a human one. A renewed determination to defend humanist ideals against murderers who seek to slay them. Let us now fight harder than ever for the value of human solidarity. And for the greatest ideal of all. The one most under threat from both Islamists and identitarians in the 21st century West. That people should be free to think, say, and live as they please regardless of 
of who it offends. It, it is so sad. Usually, well, I think we have way more in common than we think, but we're distracted a lot by nonsense. And that's when we get in these blocks and we fight up against each other and groups pit other groups against each other and it's pathetic and it's petty and it's so foolish and wasteful. But usually when there's a crisis like this, it causes us to focus and push the distractions aside and only focus on the things we have in common and that's what brings us together with unity. That did not happen this last week. The left wouldn't let it. And while you tried to grieve, they said you are not allowed to. And while you said, huh? They said, oh, by the way, you caused this with your hatred and bigotry. Amazing. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Crusaders. All right, so let's just keep walking through here, and we got to know each of these steps because if you're not already, one day soon you will say, "What? What? What happened? How did? How did we get here?" So here are the stepping stones. So uh, you just saw the heard uh, Anderson Cooper go after the Florida Attorney General, telling her essentially that she can't have anything to do with this. She can't grieve with the victims of their families uh, because she isn't a gay ally. She didn't support gay marriage in the past so therefore this isn't her crisis and she's a hypocrite for wanting anything to do with it which is amazing to me that was wednesday thursday new york times the corrosive politics that threaten lgbt americans corrosive politics means republicans the new york times says hate crimes don't happen in a vacuum they occur where hate crimes Hate crimes, hate crimes, not terrorist attacks, hate crimes. They occur where bigotry is allowed to fester, where minorities are vilified, and where people are scapegoated for political gain. That's Muslims. Tragically, this is the state of America politics driven too often by Republican politicians who see prejudice as something to exploit, not extinguish. Okay, so it's your fault. 631 uh, word editorial, not a single mention of ISIS or Islam. So Wednesday it was Anderson Cooper uh, saying you're not allowed to grieve or be a part of this terrorist attack. Now it's you are partially responsible for the terrorist attack. Do you, do you see the progression there? You, conservative, Christian, you created an environment where this could occur. So this terrorist attack has now 100% officially been labeled a hate crime against gay people. And who did it? Here's the key. Conservatives want to focus on who this attack was committed by. The left wants to focus on who this attack was committed on. Now, conservatives answered that question real quick. Americans. And really, if you want to go into different identity groups, you can do a million different identity groups. I guess it was Latin Knights. There were a lot of Puerto Ricans killed as well. But we don't think that way. So when I say who was killed, Americans, okay, we move on. Now we focus on who were they killed by. The left doesn't want ever to focus on that. All they do is focus on who was who the attack was committed on, and they leave the by, who, who committed it doesn't matter. So it's just, 
hatred committed it. Well, who's associated with hatred? You. Why? Because you didn't support gay marriage. That's that's how they connect the dots. All right. Um, I wasn't going to do this, but I might as well. Um, I want to tell you something that happened on Friday. Just a minor example of how the culture is being turned against you. And everyone will feel it eventually. So I'm sure, and I know Glenn, Glenn's experienced this a lot. This is the first time I've really experienced it. I know Glenn's experienced Glenn, this. Actually, this is the reason why Glenn created the blaze was to avoid situations like this. Actually. Um, I distinctly remember I was on his tour bus with him. This is years ago. And he said, uh, he was in the middle of some boycott. People were issuing a boycott against his sponsors or something. And he said something like, I got to create my own deal where I don't have to worry about other sponsors. I just got, we got my, we got our own thing going on here. Our own independent thing. And that was the creation of the place. But this is the first time I experienced it. So traditional radio over the air radio, terrestrial radio, they call it. It's a pretty interesting deal. So you have salespeople who find sponsors, businesses, and the businesses give money to the host, the radio station, and the salespeople. The radio host tells you about products. You hopefully go buy the product. Your life is better because you have a great product or service. The business now has more money than they invested in the show. And I have more money than I had. Right? So I have more money. The radio station has more money. The sales staff has more money. You have a better product. And the company has more money. So everyone wins. It's a really neat system. And in the meantime, you get all this content, news, information, entertainment, whatever, for free. Pretty cool. It's a cool deal. So in my, on my terrestrial show in San Diego, that's how I get paid. I get paid. They're called ad libs, live, live reads or ad libs. So when I tell you about a, a business, that's how I get paid. Now, we have a salesperson who's been working for weeks on a sponsor, a new sponsor on the show. It's a cancer charity, actually, and they have an event coming on. And sponsors are a little tough. Like we've had, I've been in San Diego for five years. Um, we've had sponsors with us since day one. Those are truly sponsors of the show. This is a cancer charity that wanted to be with us for about two months promoting their event they had. So the salesperson was super accommodating. They did everything that they, the client wanted to do. And Friday, we got word that they don't want to be a part of the show. A cancer charity decided that it can't be associated with you. And by you, I mean conservatives. It can't have anything to do. This charity, does, it, it can't have anything to do with the things that we talk about on this show. They want nothing to do with you. They want no association between our conservative thoughts and opinions and their charity. They're uncomfortable with that. And it was everything I could do to not write back and say, yeah, you know what? <laughs> You're right. You're probably that's that's probably a smart move because conservatives and I know conservatives. I've been around them a lot. We never want to help cancer patients. <sighs> never. Oh, man, we hate them, actually. And, and we never want to support medical research. Nope. 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 No matter. We hate it. And Christians in particular, super stingy with their money. Oh, my gosh. So no one in our audience would ever want to donate money to help cancer patients. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh man! So, uh, if you associate with us, uh, it, it's a it's a death wish for your business. 
might as well sponsor the clan down the street. So yeah, you're you're right. Good. It was everything. I actually wrote it out. I do that a lot. When I get angry, I write it out and then I delete it. But I did. I wrote that out. Something nasty like that. And I did. I was like, obviously, I'm not going to send that. But that's how I was feeling. I was so angry. Like, why not? And and this is what's so crazy. Why not? Why don't you want to be associated with conservative thought? Here's what's so crazy. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that if last week when the heads of this charity were listening to the show, I guarantee you that if I said, you know what, I've come to the opinion that men should be allowed to use the women's restroom. I think that's great. I think it's, I think it's totally awesome. And you know what? Even better. Uh, I think in schools, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, I think kids should go to whatever restroom they want. And I think that kids should choose their own uh, gender identity from a young age. And actually, you know what, you know, what's better because kids have gender dysphoria from a very young age. So I think if any kid struggles with this, I think they should be given hormone blockers so that when they're older, their genitalia doesn't uh, grow properly so that it's easier for them to have gender reassignment surgery. I, I think, I think these things are all great and wonderful, and we should support them. I guarantee you that if the heads of this charity heard me say that, they'd have no problem being associated with us. No problem. Not because they necessarily agree with those things, but because that's the politically correct thing to believe. And it's safe. That's the thing. Whatever's politically correct is the safe thing to do. Whatever's right and truthful and honest and righteous is dangerous and businesses don't want to be associated with dangerous most they wanted to go with safe but what that does is obviously it gives it a uh, support to what is wrong i said there's no doubt in my mind if i said we I, I, women men should go into women's restrooms that should be allowed they'd say oh that's fine but instead last week i said uh hey Gay people, uh, if you're gay and you go to Saudi Arabia, they're going to cut your head off. So what are you doing? Why are you aligning with the left who, who has no problem with that over there and with bringing those people over here? Right. Instead, I have that opinion, that question. And oh, whoa, whoa, whoa can't be associated with that. Really frustrating. And and I got, I don't mean this in an insulting way, but I kind of got like a mother bear vibe after one of her cubs got insulted. Like when, when they said that they don't want to be associated with the show. I, how dare you? How dare you insult my audience? How dare you? They're nothing but loving, compassionate, and giving people. And if you don't think they're good enough for your charity, it's your loss. Because we got a lot of other wonderful charities that we work with every day. So do you see how this is going to go moving forward? So, and I heard, I just read this morning that Apple isn't going to be involved in the Republican National Convention at all because of Donald Trump. Okay. And I don't want to turn this into a Trump thing because it's much bigger than that. Here's the progression. Terrorist attack from an Islamic extremist. But no, 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 that's not what it was. It was a hate crime. So you can't be a part of it because you are a bigot because you don't hold these tolerant opinions. 
your next step, you're partially responsible for this terrorist attack because you created a hostile environment. Next step, we can't be associated with you in any way. You're going to feel the effects of that. Glenn's big time. He felt them years ago. I'm nothing. I felt them for the first time yesterday. Everyone's going to feel them soon. So two conclusions that I got out of this. First, support the sponsors of Glenn Beck's show. Because the people who do that are with you. They agree with your principles and they share them. At this point, they have to. Because <laughs> it's so hard for them to sponsor the show if they're not. You know what I mean? Like they, they are they are on our team. So please support Glenn Beck's sponsors. Second, um, you know, I got really angry yesterday when I found out about this. But then I calmed down. And and again, I thought, you know, you're lost charity. And listen, if you see the errors in your ways and you want to come back, we'll be happy to help you. But in the meantime, it's just an opportunity for us to have more focus on other charities that we serve. But don't stop. This to you, don't stop. You are standing up for what's right and what's true. Don't stop. And the persecution is going to get harder and you're going to get cast aside even more. And you're going to be called much worse than a bigot and a racist, if that's even possible. And if anything, that persecution, if you think you're doing the right thing, I mean, obviously, if you are being racist or big, <laughs> then no. But, but if, if you're standing up for what's righteous, then the persecution should give you encouragement that you're doing the right thing. And if you haven't felt it yet, I promise you, you will. one 3393 Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater Crusaders, we got a lot more to talk about, uh, Orlando. Bunch more angles that we must uh, get out there. But let me make one important point about ISIS. They are nothing new. ISIS may be new, but the ideology behind it most certainly is not. And, and I don't even mean the uh, Islam ideology. Even bigger than that is the genocidal attempt at creating a utopia. That's what's not new. Um, Their utopia, the ISIS utopia, is to return the world to the original community established by Muhammad, who, by the way, had 15 wives and four sex slaves, but whatever. So the goal in in these tyrants over the last few um, centuries, this type of tyrants, is to return to the year zero, to, re- to create a utopia. Whether it's the Jacobins in the French Revolution, the Bolsheviks in Russia, the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, or ISIS today, they all want the same thing. They want to create some utopia. And the way to do it is to kill everyone. This happens to be the great battle of our generation and of our time. Pretty much every generation has one. 
And what's interesting really is, is for the most part, no one wants to fight it, right? No, no one wants to fight it until they can't ignore it anymore. World War II, no one wanted to go fight in Europe. Certainly not Japan. But the day that they bombed Pearl Harbor, we've, I've heard stories from World War II veterans who say everyone in their town, every single man in their town lined up outside the Army Recruitment Center and would not move, spent the night in line until the next morning and they could sign up. The day before, they're like, Japan, what? No. And the next day, like, we're, like, so they ignore it until we can't ignore it anymore. Now, I'm going to be honest. We can still very easily ignore this. And there's a lot of people helping us ignore it by saying it's a gun problem and a homophobic problem and all that. And I almost feel bad for ISIS because they're thinking, what, what do we need to do to prove that we're serious here? <laughs> right? Uh, I fear, and, and I'm, I'm being honest, I fear it will literally take ISIS marching in the streets before people here care. I heard someone say, you know, when this happens more often, then it's going to be a problem. And the, the response was, happen more often. It's like once a month. No, no, no. When it starts to happen every day, that's when people are going to wake up. It's going to take that long. In the meantime, prepare your family. And spread the word. So hopefully it doesn't take that long. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slider Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. I want to replay an interview I did the other day, uh, yesterday actually, uh, with Milo Yiannopoulos. So if you're not familiar with Milo, uh, British gay conservative. And I think he has something important to say in light of what happened in Orlando. So let me, let me put a quick disclaimer here. I'm not, I'm not a showman. Right? That's not my style. I don't. Not a, I'm just not a showy guy. Uh, so Milo has a different style that that's not my scene, but totally fine if that's his. Uh, I was te- texting a buddy of mine who's a big Milo fan, and he said, normally when it comes to the right, I much prefer the demeanor of Thomas Sowell, but Milo is highly entertaining. <laughs> so you can take it, take that for, <laughs> for what it is. Uh, but again, his background here I think is, uh, is important, and he tours the country, college campuses, um, speaking up against safe spaces and all that nonsense. So we talked to him yesterday. I thought I was worthy of uh, of hearing again. So here you go. So I think it is really important that we have people who go out and violate college students' safe spaces and who go out there and speak the truth. And uh, there's one man who does that better than anyone. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. He's also everybody's favorite British gay conservative, and he's with us right now. Milo, how are you, brother? 
<laughs> Thank you so much for having me. That's a lovely introduction. <laughs> I hope that's true. <laughs> it, it is indeed. I, don't, I know none other, so uh, by definition. Um, <laughs> it's sort of, <laughs> sort of like being America's favorite Jewish lesbian acrobat. You know, like, <laughs> okay, I'll, I mean, I mean, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, Milo, our, uh, our entire audience may not be familiar with your body of work, although I can guarantee you they already like you. Who is Milo? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll help them to get more familiar with my body. Uh, I basically, I am a technology and a social justice editor at Breitbart News, um, and I am on a tour at the moment of college campuses, reminding students and uh, faculty and professors they have a duty to expose students to all kinds of opinions, not just the ones they like from the crazy, lunatic, intersectional social justice left. Uh, and so I, I talk a lot about that. My college tour has been quite incendiary and uh, created a lot of headlines because uh, uh, who knew the uh, places that uh, people get educated in America, which I, I, I mean, I never realized as a Brit coming over here, I thought, you know, America, land of the free, First Amendment, awesome. Your college campuses must be the freest places in the world. You must have this you know, incredible open marketplace of ideas, people expressing themselves, experimenting with new ways of thinking, finding out about new people and points of view. Not so. Uh, and it's taken me to shake, shake things up a little bit. Uh, and then more recently, I've been talking about some of the absurdities of the social justice left and the way in which the, the progressive left and the, you know, the Democrat Party and the lunatics on, uh, over there are giving up on the minorities they claim to represent, mm. giving up on the people they claim to care about the most. And, and, and most recently, that's, that's been uh, in Orlando. Beautiful. All right, let's talk about all that stuff here. Let's work backwards. Can I play a phone call uh, that we received the other day? Sure. This is uh, David. He called on Monday. And um, this started a, a whole conversation that we've had all week long. So I just want to play the beginning. It's about 60 seconds here. What's going on, David? Hey, Mike, how are you? Good, I, I, listen to, I listen to your show quite frequently. I, I am a gay man, and I'm a um, log cabin Republican. But, um, you know, it's always a, a challenge um, at times, and this is a time when it's extremely challenging because, you know, they're friends of my friends who unfortunately were involved in Orlando. And, but one of the things that I struggle with is when I speak to many of my friends, who many of which are liberal, um, they say, well, who in leadership positions in the conservative movement, you know, speaks to the gay community or, or um, and I just, I, I haven't heard any leaders. I was listening to the Sean Hannity show. I haven't heard any leaders, any conservative leaders, um, speaking compassionately for the gay community right now, and I just don't understand that. I didn't hear the beginning of your show, but I hear a lot of conservatives talking about, you know, Muslim radicalism and things like that, and of course that's part of it. But the gay community is grieving right now. That club was targeted by a man two hours away he lived, and he drove to that club for that reason, to shoot gay people. And the Muslim religion, of course, is extremely intolerant of gay uh, rights. And so I just wish that I could hear more conservative leaders speaking compassionately about gay people. What do you say, Milo? Does he know any conservatives? This is the worst thing about being gay in America. It's other ungrateful other gay people, these whiny people who expect everybody to pander to their feelings all of the time. I'm sorry, but it is conservatives who have been standing up for Western, liberal, democratic, capitalistic society, the free society that has given gays, uh, you know, free, uh, marriage, which has given women the vote. Minorities have been enabled by nothing so much as the, you know, First and Second Amendment that conservatives defend. And, you know, 
I don't know how many conservatives he really knows outside of his you know, log cabin thing. My God, these log cabin people are so whiny. Um, I don't know how many he knows, but I went down to Orlando and Billy Graham's, uh, Billy Graham's people, you know, were pr- uh, asked to pray for me. And I was, you know, I was very happy to do that. And I was mm. very, very gratified by that. You know, conservatives are hugely compassionate. And by the way, you know, the presumptive Republican nominee right now is probably the most pro-gay rights Republican in the history of the party. And he's running for office. Like, what more do you want? This, you know, tr- Trump is, you know, massively pro-women, massively pro-gays. He's got a huge, like, cult gay following. Where is, is this guy reading a newspaper? Is he turning on the TV? Like, what is he doing? Yeah, fine. I mean, these old establishment Republicans, these 60-year-old losers who are on the way out anyway, you know, 60-year-olds who have no touch with their own base, whose listeners and whose audiences, you know, 65, 75 plus. I mean, fine, you know, they're not bad people, but they're not the future of the party. There are, of course, so many young people. They're involved in the Trump campaign. They're on Twitter. They're new media figures. People, you know, people like Stephen Crowder and all the rest of it. They might not be, like, totally down with the gay thing, but will, you know, firmly defend the rights of gay people to be protected from Muslims. I just don't know who this guy's listening to. So you tour these college campuses. Amen first. And you tour these college campuses. What which I think is a similar sentiment here. What did David want me or conservative leaders to say to him that would have made him happy, you think? Nothing. He's not going to be happy because he's looking for somebody to pander to his feelings. He's looking for the sort of gushing, bleeding heart, you know, sort of, uh, you know, liberal, you know, feelings festival um, on the right that they indulge in, you know, after every tragedy on the left. Well, there's a reason we don't do it on the right, because we're actually looking for solutions. We're not looking to make people feel better. We're looking for the facts and how to stop it happening again. So, you know, I'm sorry if we're not touchy-feely enough for this, for this gay guy. Um, you know, I'm sorry if we're not, you know, going to sit down and hold his hand and ask him, if it's okay. Like, he's got family to do that. He's got friends to do that. Or people look to conservative politicians. They look for leadership. They look for, you know, people who are actually going to get things done. People who understand numbers, understand the economy, understand foreign policy, people who can run a government properly. That's what we like about conservatives. Conservatives are not there to sit down with you at the coffee table and, you know, pat your, pat your head and make you a cup of tea. Like, you know, I, I think he's looking in the wrong place for a solace if he wants that. Maybe he needs better friends. <laughs> Two days ago, we played Milo's press conference uh, in Orlando. Milo, we played the whole thing start to finish. Uh, we, used wow. the, we used the dump button a couple times. But uh, we had so many people call in <laughs> and say, who is that British guy? I got I to gotta know who that guy is. It's Nero on Twitter, N-E-R-O, and you can, uh, again, follow him on Breitbart. Um, I'm sure you saw Anderson Cooper berate the Florida Attorney General. Hey, Flip, can we stop for here for one second? Putting up yeah. enough. Put a pause here. Uh I forgot that there is a slur that is going to be used here in a moment. Not by me, by him, by, by Milo. Uh, there's any kids listening right now, tune away for two minutes, and it should be over. It's a slur for gay people, F word. Not that F word, but F word for gay people. Uh, so if you don't want to hear that, two minutes, it'll be over, and we'll get back to it. But here, here's the rest. For not putting up yeah. enough gay flag things on her Twitter account. Insufficient gay <laughs> tweeting. Insufficient tweeting, Milo. And, and it was so pathetic because she had to come back and do this ridiculous, oh, Anderson, I tweeted rainbow hands clasped together just oh yesterday. What it was that? It makes me so ashamed to be gay. It makes me so ashamed of these other – I just said it a minute ago, and I mean it. The worst thing about being gay is other fags. Like, they're so whiny and pathetic and petty. 
Anderson Cooper, the, you know, he's, he's a, the CNN, like, the other star, the flagship star of CNN, and he's asking somebody about a Twitter account, saying, oh, you didn't post enough rainbow flags? I want to gay bash him myself. <laughs> so, but it, the, the root of his argument is that conservatives never supported gay marriage, therefore we don't have a right to... But neither did the left. Stonewall in the UK didn't ask for gay marriage until someone else came along and asked for it. In fact, they were against it because they didn't want to precipitate a war between the churches and between gays. This is in Britain, right? Most gay celebrities and most gay, gay uh, activist organizations have been against gay marriage. It's been conservative politicians that have pushed it. In the UK, David Cameron brought in gay marriage when no one was asking for it, but he did it anyway. And, and all the other gay, you know, the gay activist organizations in the UK fell in line like they'd always been asking for it. Well, they hadn't. Nobody was asking for it. You know, there are a few, a clamor from a few activists. In America, the situation was a little bit different. But, you know, so the, some, of the, some of the people that are accused of not supporting gay marriage always did. And some of the people who, you know, who, say, GLAAD, for instance, you know, they weren't clamoring for these things. They were, you know, wondering about transgender pronouns and language policing the Internet. They've never really done very much for gays. Most gay charities should be shut down. They have absolutely unfit for purpose. They don't talk about HIV anymore. The rates of AIDS are skyrocketing again because gay charities are caught up in this crazy social justice intersectional lunacy where they're more interested in language policing and telling people and making people apologize for jokes uh, and, you know, getting, getting involved in this tiny, minute, niche trans issue rather than actually helping homosexuals. Where is GLAD? Where is Stonewall? Where are any of these charities talking about the real threats faced by gay people, the, the threats presented by radical Islam, or as, or as I think it is, just Islam? Where are they on that? Where are they on, like, telling gay people how to protect themselves, giving them, I don't know, lessons on how to use a firearm, how to protect their families, how to protect their loved ones, you know, some marauding Islamist lunatic bursts through the door of a nightclub and kills 50 people and hurts another 50. Where are the gay charities on that? Where are the liberal politicians on that? This is such brazen and ridiculous hypocrisy. Milo Yiannopoulos here. Future of the conservative movement in America. Uh, and hopefully well, across the pond. I can't even well. vote. I can't even vote. <laughs> well, you're helping other people make the right decision. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about Islam here. We've got about three minutes. Can you stick around for another segment, Milo? Is that cool? I know you're a busy oh, man. Of course. It's my time? pleasure. Let me do, let's fit this one in here real quick, at least the start of this. Um, you talk a lot about the alliance or the, the, the victimhood hierarchy and the alliance yes. that the people on it have with each other, especially with Islam. Can you, can you outline that a little bit for everyone? Yes, well, um, what the left has done is it sort of play, it, it likes to play people off against each other. It precipitates what I like to call minority wars. So, for instance, earlier I was talking about you know pitting the churches against gays by uh, you know by making a big fuss about gay marriage. Didn't need to do that. There are other solutions. In the UK, for instance, the last government, which is a left-wing government actually, uh, came up with a really smart solution. It wasn't marriage. It wasn't called marriage. It was called civil partnership. But it gave gay people all the same you know all the same rights and, and obligations and all the rest. So it sort of sidestepped the problem. But the left, you know, the, pro the, the proper intersectional crazy left doesn't like to do that. It doesn't like real solutions to real problems. Instead, it likes to pit people against each other. And it sort of precipitates these minority wars. So there's, a, there's a big war in the gay community. Crannies and drag queens won't bother us. Anyway. The, so this, Wait, hold on. Unfortun unfortunately, your phone went out right when you said that. And I feel like I needed to hear what those words were. You said there's a war <laughs> where? Oh, um, there's, a, there's a war in the, in the gay community between trannies and drag queens. You know, you've got the sort of fun, feisty, taboo-busting uh, drag queen culture versus the, you know, uh, austere, miserable, nannying, bullying, shrill trans lobby. And this is what the left does. You know, it pits people against each other. I'm glad I have nothing to do with that battle.
You, I'll oh, let you, I'll leave that fantastic. one. All oh. those all those wigs <laughs> flying through the air and you know all that terrible makeup and screeching. It must be hilarious. I'll I'll watch. You can get involved. Um, <laughs> let's actually take a break here. I, strangely, I, I, I was we'll, we'll stop there. Um, actually, when we get back, we'll play the next segment. What he just talked about there is the fight between what was it, drag queens and transvestites, is actually important to us. He'll explain here, but it it actually makes a really good point, um, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll bring it together next year. One eight one eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. It's Milo Yiannopoulos, Mike Slater show. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is, is Mike Slater. About being gay in America, it's other ungrateful other gay people, these whiny people who expect everybody to pander to their feelings all of the time. I'm sorry, but it is conservatives who have been standing up for Western liberal democratic capitalistic society, the free society that has given gays, uh, you know, free, uh, marriage, which has given women the vote. Minorities have been enabled by nothing so much as the, you know, First and Second Amendment that conservatives defend. I don't know how many conservatives he really knows outside of his, you know, log cabin thing. My God, these log cabin people are so whiny. <laughs> talk, talking with Milo Yiannopoulos. I got an email here. Mary says, uh, Slater, love the Milo goodness, interview. Goodness, I'm horrible. That's <laughs> Hearing you back, goodness gracious! Uh, he says, "I love." She says, "I love the Milo interview, even though some of his videos on his Twitter make me blush and giggle." Uh, so that's America. And then <laughs> I'm I got fine with that. <laughs> I got a, t- a text from my friend. He said, "America is failing so bad that God had to send a gay British man to save us." And- well, well, what a compliment! What a lovely compliment! Thank you. Sir. <laughs> Pass it on. Um, so we got sidetracked talking about drag queens. So let's bring it back. You said, you know what? I, I think I, I think I actually missed the the the, the question. Indy, I was so upset talking about Chinese and drag queens and, and the left minority wars. I'm not even. I'm not entirely sure I actually answered your question. <laughs> so we'll bring it back. So you say Islam is. Uh, how many of your conversations, by the way, get sidetracked by drag queens and trannies? In a given oh, day. Most of them. That's most a- of them. But they're very instructive. They're very useful. You see, and I'll tell you why very very briefly. Very, you see, this is your fault now. And I'm sorry. <laughs> and we're going to run down the clock. But this is your fault. This is really important and interesting. This is the two sides of gays, the good gays and the bad gays. You've got the drag queens who are in the, in the tradition of the queer dissident William S. Burroughs, you know, the people who, who, who fought the power, the free speech, you know, dissidents and, fundam- and you know, free speech fundamentalists, the people that basically embody American values. And in the 60s and 70s, they, they were fighting against the religious right. Today, if you're a queer radical, if you're a, you know, a, a gay uh, free speech fundamentalist, if you're, a, you know, if you're a gay First Amendment believer, you have to fight the left, which is what I do. And then there's the bad gays. And the bad gays are the, the nannies, the language polices, the feminists, the trannies. You see, there's a huge schism in the gay community. It's very instructive about the two different sides of American life because, of course, most people these days don't too much care about left and right so much as authoritarianism versus libertarianism, whether somebody else wants to control how I live or whether they're happy to let me have my life as I choose. So it's very interesting. I find it very instructive. Wow, authoritarian and libertarian. That probably exists in many of these different groups. That's the, that's the schism, not the different groups against each other so much as the division within the group. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I find trannies v. Drag Queens very, very instructive <laughs> and, and reflective of American life and more broadly. Mike Slater show, Tranny v. Drag Queens. That's fantastic. Um, so Islam, though, let's get back to that. So you say Islam's yes. at the top of the victim hierarchy. Why? Oh, that was the question. I remember now. Yes. So, <laughs> so 
um, yeah, the, the left likes to sort of pit us all against each other. The problem is it's picked Muslims um, because um, because Islam and you know Islamic churches and all those sort of all the hate brigade in, in the uh, you know in the Middle East hates the West as much as Democrats do, as much as feminists do, as much as Black Lives Matter do. They hate democratic capitalism. They hate all of the good things about America because Muslims hate them. You know, hate the West and hate America just as much as the left does. They're at the top. You see, they've got this this privileged uh, pole position in the oppression league tables and the victim of hierarchy. The problem with putting Muslims at the top of the table is they want to kill everyone else on the list. They don't like the gays, they don't like the blacks, they don't like women very much. You know, they treat everybody else on the list terribly, but the, but the left seeing, um, you know, in the, in the Cold War, the, the Russians used to, used to call the left, you know, useful idiots. Uh, the Soviet Union used to call, you know, used to call the left useful idiots. Well, now the single biggest ally that ISIS and Islam generally, and it's you know, in its quest to, to crush the West and, and the social values, which is not just an Islamism, it's an Islam thing. You know, 51% of Americans think homosexuality should be illegal. The figure is the same in the UK. 100% of them think that it's an unacceptable lifestyle choice. 39% of British Muslims, you know, think a woman should always obey her husband. You know, these kind of regressive, socially conservative values the left ought to hate. It's going along with any because Islam hates. Uh, the West as, as much as as much as they do, and you know, putting them at the top of the uh, oppression pyramid, if you like, is producing absurdities like Orlando. Um, and now afterwards, you've got these dumb as horse dumb uh, celebrities and stupid media commentators like Sally Cohn, who is, you know, is probably the stupidest woman in America. Um, you know, and, and and these terrible left wing publications making excuses for Islam. I want to play a couple. There's just a couple more minutes left, but how about that? Like. We think, and the left wants us to make it think that it's group first group. It's gay people, Hispanic, black people, but it's not. It's within the groups, within America. It's authoritarian versus libertarian, which is just liberty lovers. That's the schism, not skin color and sexual orientation and everything. It's authoritarian versus libertarian. Don't let people pit us into groups anymore. That's not the real dividing line. Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater, Slater, uh, yesterday I talked with Milo Yiannopoulos, everybody's favorite gay British conservative. I uh, think he has a unique perspective on this uh, Orlando attack, obviously. Um, we only got a few more minutes left in this interview, so let's play this here, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring it all together, everything we've talked about so far. More on Ni- of uh, Milo. And it's mystifying to gay people. This is why gay people are coming over to Trump in their droves. And you've got people emailing me in, in the, by the hundreds who are saying, you know what, despite myself... I can't stand anything else about him, but I think I'm going to go with Trump because he's the only person I can see doing something about a problem that endangers gay people in America. Amazing. Uh, AJ from Milwaukee called in. And AJ, if you're still listening, that's the answer to the question you asked. Um, His question was, why doesn't or have you ever heard Barack Obama condemn Sharia law? Have, have you? No, of course not, because he agree, because he agrees with most of the most of the central critiques made by the mullahs and made by Islamic fundamentalists in the you know in, in on the streets when they're sh- when they're burning the American flag and shooting guns in the air and saying that you know America is a cishet white patriarchal colonialist colonialist hell that is responsible for all the ills in the world. He basically agrees with that analysis. He doesn't like the Second Amendment very much. The First Amendment's obviously inconvenient to him. He doesn't see you know for, as a Brit. 
you know, I, whatever you think of George W. Bush um, listeners, you know, as a Brit, it was very obvious to me coming here that he loved this country. It's very obvious to me that Donald Trump loves this country. It is not as obvious to me that Obama loves this country. I don't think he likes it very much at all. I think actually he wants to uproot a lot of it. The problem is that the progressives have identified exactly the things that made it great and exactly the, thing that pro- the things that protect women and minorities. You know, the freedom, capitalism, democracy, you know, property rights, all of the stuff that has created this, this um, civilization in the West that we have that protects and elevates women and minorities. That's the stuff they want to tear down. This is how dumb the left is, how <laughs> counterfactual they are. They just don't, they don't understand that they are, they are attacking precisely the things that gave them status and equality. Mm. Capitalism, of course, being the greatest engine of equality in the history of civilization. Beautiful. Milo Yiannopoulos, i got two more quick questions for you, brother. Um, are you, Orlando, are you surprised at how quickly the narrative changed and this turned into a gay thing as opposed to a Islamic against American thing? No, I'm not. It's depressing, depressingly predictable, actually, mm-hmm. because the left will, will do anything to avoid blaming Islam for anything. Um, so, of course, think progress is saying this is, this is toxic masculinity at play. The reason this guy shot that place up is that, you know, he's acquired toxic uh, masculine roles that he's been taught by society. Um, and then we find out, of course, that his girlfriend is tweeting him, I love you, babe, while he's mowing people down. What is that toxic femininity? I mean, you know, this, this stuff is garbage. It's garbage. Desperate reaching. Um, and, you you know, you've got these celebrities just saying, oh, if, you know, peace, love and understanding. And, you know, if we'll just love each other a bit more. Well, that's nice for you, dear. But um, tweeting that let's all love each other is not going to save you when somebody has an a, you know has an AK or an AR pointed at you and, and doesn't like you very much because you're gay. It does, I don't know why it is only a surprise to our esteemed media class and the majority of our politicians that Muslims don't like gays very much. Mm. They tell us. They tell us in surveys, and they don't just tell us in surveys in Palestine, where 96% of Palestinians say homosexuality is an unacceptable lifestyle choice. The figures in the West, if anything, are worse. A Gallup poll in Britain showed that 1,001 Muslims out of 1,001, 100% of Muslims surveyed, said that homosexuality was an unacceptable lifestyle choice. That's higher than the Pew Global data for countries in the Middle East. They tell us their attitudes. Why don't we listen to them? And as you've said before... We're so stupid. First of all, there's 11 countries, Muslim countries, who will throw you off a roof or cut off your head for being gay. And then you said in your oh, last piece, 100 million people, 100 million people, unbelievable, live under that. Where being gay is illegal. And you said in your last piece that we're so stupid here. We started a group, or people started a group called Queers for Palestine. Like, oh my God, they are the dumbest. Aside from Sally Cohn and maybe Nancy Pelosi, they are the <laughs> dumbest people in the history of human civilization. Queers for Palestine. Queers for Palestine. I want to drop some of these queers for Palestine in the Palestinian territories and just see how many hours it takes for them to show up on the Israeli border begging for asylum. <laughs> uh, we got about 60 seconds, but two weeks ago you were at the UCSD uh, campus. Uh, what was that speech like? How'd that go? I was. Well, I've been giving some fun theatrical speeches recently. So at Irvine, I was dressed in sort of police fetish gear to talk about how terrible Black Lives Matter was. Uh, San Diego was a huge amount of fun. We had a lovely mariachi, uh, mariachi band because cultural appropriation isn't racism. It's how art works, you idiots. <laughs> um, so that, that, that was very fun. And then Santa Barbara, I was, I, was, I was brought in finally on my tour. I was brought in the manner in which I deserve, yes. the manner in which I, I'm now going to become accustomed on a, on a litter, <laughs> Cleopatra-like, held aloft by eight guys in, in, uh, in Make America Great Again hats. So we've been having a lot of fun on the tour. It's a great spectacle. If, if, you, uh, if you can't make it down to any, any of the dates, you should tune in on YouTube because it's, it's a lot of fun. He deserves we can, to be we can stop it like that everywhere. We can stop here. That was, uh, that was Milo. We talked to him yesterday. The full interview, uh, if you missed any of it, is on our Facebook page. You can search for The Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Um, it's 
again, this is the this is the whole thing, and the reason I wanted to chat with Milo is is the fact that this was within half a day went from a terrorist attack by an Islamic extremist into a hate crime by a Christian bigot that you're partially responsible for. <laughs> like, what? What in the world? And, and Milo's big thing is that this is not, it's not extremist Islam. It's, it's just Islam. And I, I could prove it a million ways, but I, mean, I just mentioned there are 11 countries in the Middle East will cut off your head when you're, if you're gay. Cut your head off. Or throw you off a building. Or bury you waist deep and push a brick wall on top of you. And if you don't dive through that, then they cut your head off then. This is mainstream. I, I got how to prove it. Um, I can give you this. So there's this book called Reliance of the Traveler. Uh, it was written in around 1300. This is, so you have the Quran, you have the Hadith, Reliance of the Traveler, and there's one other one that is like the preeminent texts in the religion. This is the certified text today by the Sunni thought leaders. It's approved by the International Institute of Islamic Thought. Um, again, Reliance of the traveler. Um, if I can read from this section here on being gay in more than one place in the Holy Quran. So this is like a, I guess a way of looking at this would be a, um, oh, what are they called in Christianity? A, uh, not a guidebook, a, uh, commentary, a commentary in more than one place in the Holy Quran. Allah recounts to us the story of lots people and how he destroyed them for their wicked practice. There's consensus among both Muslims and the followers of other religions that sodomy is an enormity. Like a horrible sin. It's even viler and uglier than adultery. Adultery, which, by the way, is punishable by death in, uh, in Muslim countries. And it's usually the woman who gets killed. The prophet said, kill the one who sodomizes and the one who lets it be done to him. May Allah curse him and who does, uh, who does what lots of people did. Right? So if you're gay, if you have gay sex, kill. Kill the one. Kill the one. Um, I didn't make that up. Like that's that's that, and and it's again mainstream today. I want to play this clip here. You've heard it before. This is an imam. He spoke at this mosque in Orlando two months ago. Like this is, listen. I want to be very clear. This clip I'm going to play. It's eight three eight three two flip. Eight thirty two. This is not a clip of an imam in Mecca fifty years ago. This isn't the clip of a rambling insane person in iran 40 years ago this is an imam in orlando two months ago saying that you should kill gay people for their own good it's the compassionate thing to do here it is death is the sentence i mean look there's nothing to be embarrassed about this death is the sentence Here's a story you won't see. Hey, we stop. Else. We can stop it there. Actually, it's because it's a long clip. You get, you get that right. You probably heard it before. Death is the sentence, and kill them for their own good. It's the compassionate thing to do. What the heck? But it's amazing because Christians today, we're the hateful ones. Christians are the bigots. But here's the deal: conservatives don't hate gay people. I can I can speak as a Christian. I hate the sin of homosexuality, but I love the person who commits the sin just like I love the person who commits any sin just as I am a person who sins. <laughs> that is the distinction I draw. I can't think of a more tolerant thing than that. What is more tolerant 
Then hate the sin, love the sinner. Seriously, how could you draw up a more tolerant position? Hate the sin, love the sinner. That is that is the most tolerant thing ever. But it's the left who embraces people with extremist Islamic thought that says you should gay you should kill gay people. How, how can that possibly be? The absurdity of this is hard to describe, but I think you get it. Um, the only other example I can think of, like I, I saw you still live in Tennessee, and uh, you, got, you got your Ford truck families, and you got your Chevy truck families. Okay, And in the South, this is a very important battle. You're either a Ford family or a Chevy family, and sometimes these families you know, have to live next to each other. And it can get very contentious. And they'll argue, and they'll battle. And it can get ugly. But then you got these other people across the street who want to kill all of us. So before we keep arguing about what truck has more horsepower or whatever, let's first take care of the people across the street who want to kill all of us. Okay? And then we can get back to bickering. Christians don't hate gay people. Muslims want to kill you. Mainstream Muslim thought. Not a couple crazy people here or there. I'm just so sick of, and we, we talked about this earlier, I'm not going to go over it again, but the battle lines have been drawn where one team, one side is the tolerant people, and uh, they decide whether or not you're allowed to be on that team or not. Now, it, Anderson Cooper defined it as, you have to have always supported gay marriage. So the only way to get on the tolerant team is if you've always supported gay marriage. And if you're not on the tolerant team, then you're on the other team. And the other team is everyone else. So Christians, conservatives, clan members, ISIS, terrorists, what, everyone, everyone else. And you're lumped into that other group. That's you. And that's why you're partially responsible for this. It's amazing how it happened like that. And it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse until it is impossible to ignore you think it's impossible to ignore now but it's, it's actually very easy to ignore what happened in orlando really um because it didn't i please don't don't think i'm, I'm making it lightly what happened in orlando but i lived in san diego's i live in san diego so i'm three thousand miles away it didn't affect anyone's life people still went to work people still went to the mall people went to the movies my wife went to the movies last night the nba finals were still on thursday night like li- life didn't stop the, what it's going to take for people to really realize what's happening here is for life to stop for everyone. It's, it's going to have to get to the point where people won't go to the movies. Sporting events won't happen. You're scared to go to work. You're scared to leave your house. Truck drivers aren't transporting food to grow. I mean, like it's going to be, it's got to get that bad before people wake up. And it's going to take a long, I mean, it's going to be a lot of other steps before it gets to that bad that still people are going to have their head in the sand. So just emotionally prepare for this being a long haul before everyone decides that we're actually going to fight this battle. That's just the way that's going to be. No one's going to wake up next week. All these apologists next week are not going to wake up and say, hmm, maybe we should fight Islamic terrorism. It's not going to be until no one can go on with their daily life as we know it. I hate that it's going to be that way, but that's what it's going to take. So hold on. You can search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to 
Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. Slater Crusaders, I want to talk about words. Coming up next, we'll talk about the word Islamophobia, where that came from. It's a new word. It's only 20 years old. Um, and there's another word that just came out the last couple of years. Do not ever, ever accept the term lone wolf. Do not buy that. Do, do not. And also, oh, but all, another one, violent extremism. There is never, I think I said this on um, Lou Dobbs yesterday. There has never been a person in the history of the world who has strapped on a suicide vest in the name of violent extremism. They use the word violent extremism to separate killing people, like being violent, from the ideology that inspires you to be violent, which in this case is Islam, right? So, so violent extremism, it's a way to eliminate Islam. So anyway, lone wolf. Don't accept that term. First of all, the FBI director says he prefers the word lone rat because wolf gives them too much uh, prestige. Uh, but I like the word known wolf. All of these terrorists are known by authorities. The Sydney terrorist who took people hostage in that coffee shop. He sent letters to military family members. Do you remember this? And he was on bail for murder charges for stabbing and lighting his ex-wife on fire. Right? So these are the known, known wolves, the Paris attackers, known wolves. One of them was arrested in 2005 for recruiting people to go to Iraq to become terrorists. In Paris, the uh, terrorist stabbed three police officers. He was uh, arrested at an airport in Turkey for joining ISIS. In Copenhagen, a terrorist attack there, they were known wolves. Jihadi John, in the name I hate, his name's Mohammed and Wazi. He was arrested twice before he went to Syria. I could go on and on. The Chattanooga terrorist was questioned by the FBI. The train attacker who was stopped by the Americans, remember that in Paris? He was... Uh, on a terror watch list. The terrorists in Belgium were arrested already. They were known wolves. Known wolves. Same thing with obviously this last guy in Orlando, questioned by the FBI three times. These are not lone wolves. When people use that word, it implies futility. It implies, oh, I mean, we have no idea. Like, we can never know who the next person's going to be. They're acting by themselves, and there's no way to ever know. No, we know who these people are before they do these things. There's no such thing as a lone wolf. They're all known wolves. The question is, are we going to be PC and continue to do nothing about these known wolves? Mike Slater, show the plays. Radio Network, spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Later in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Thank you for being here. Happy Saturday. Um, I heard the medical examiner the other day. He was asked if. Um, if anyone put up a struggle 
inside the nightclub in Orlando. And he said, he's never seen anything like it. He said it was as if everyone just laid down right where they were. I saw another video of uh, a veteran. He served in Afghanistan. He was a, a bouncer at the club. And he said he ran to a back hallway and there are about 50 people, 50, 60 people there. And they didn't know what to do. They were, they were so scared. They were frozen. And he said, he yelled, open the door, open the door. And he had to run through all the people and open up the door himself before people would run out of it. Isn't that amazing? So I heard both those stories and it reminded me of what happened in Paris, the terrorist attack there. Does the name uh, Eagles of Death Metal, does that ring a bell? That, that's the name of the group that was playing in the, in the Paris theater where the, a terrorist killed 89 people. I think it was 89. So Jesse Hughes is the main singer. And he did an interview a couple months ago. He got in big trouble for it, but he said in the beginning, beginning of the interview that every time he does an interview, he's ticked off because the writer or the editor takes out things he says and spins it around. And he said, it's, it's super biased. And he gets mad every time he does an interview. So he did this, this one and they didn't edit a single thing out. And I want to read part of his interview here. And the the takeaway for me was, is how emotionally unprepared we are. He said, I saw fear fall like a blanket on the whole crowd. And they fell like wheat in the wind, the way you would before a God. That's an amazing sentence. I saw fear fall like a blanket on the whole crowd. And they fell like wheat in the wind, the way you would before a God. The question was, uh, I've heard you say you you credit your childhood with your survival. You had a real dad who stuck around and taught you about guns. He said, I knew what gunfire was. I was able to think through it. I was also able to remember practical lessons of my life because I had to be in fights as a kid. My mom didn't go sue anyone. I didn't have play dates. I had some practical upbringing growing up in the desert where you got to be yourself. You got to get yourself out of your problems. Also, the reason I've done well with the healing process is everything I was raised to believe was affirmed that night. When the bullets first started being fired, people looked at me. I remember that. And it ticked me off because I knew right then and there it was going to be bad. I knew these kids had no idea what was coming. None. They'd never heard a gunshot in real life. And it hit them so hard. Our bassist was in the middle of the stage when the lights went on. He saw stuff he'd never seen before in his life. Awful stuff. It has no parallel. It's not just death. It's the most unsuspecting, innocent victims you can imagine. People who are gripped in terror, ready, and can't move as a result of it. He says, it's like a metaphor for all of Western civilization. I watched about seven people die. A couple of them were three feet from the barrier. They could have fallen backwards. 
and been alive. But they were too scared to even turn around. I remember a woman just standing with her hands up in a surrender pose. The terrorist finally saw her. And all she did was go, no, no, no. She surrendered to death in front of my very eyes. I was yelling at her, hey. And I don't think she could hear me. She was so terrified. I think she'd already given up. Oh my God. Think, think of that scene there, right? The way he said that, that she put her arms up in the air in a surrender pose, the terrorist finally saw her. So she didn't put her hands up right when the terrorist was in front of her. The terrorist was shooting. The terrorists were out shooting. And she, instead of even falling to the ground, let alone falling behind a barrier or running away, stood arms in the air and stood there until the terrorists saw her. She was so terrified, I think she'd already given up. I'll read one last question. Um, the person says, is it fair to say that liberal that the liberal mentality created this need to surrender? And the lead singer said, I will lay the blame right in its lap. When you tell people they can't help themselves and that they're children, you weaken them to a point where three feet away is life and they can't see it because they're too scared. In a way where we are unarmed twofold. We are literally unarmed, but we're also mentally unarmed. It's like the bleating sheep from Animal Animal Farm, bleating with a T, bleat, like, bah. It's like the bleating sheep from Animal Farm. You suggest anything that strays from the narrative, and this chorus of bleats comes to drown you out. This attack did not happen by accident. Islam is crying wolf about Islamophobia in order to anesthetize us and make us easier prey. They know there's a whole group of white kids out there who are stupid and blind. You have these affluent white kids who grow up in a liberal curriculum from the time they were in kindergarten, inundated with these lofty notions that are just hot air, and look at where it's getting them. So, there's two terrorist attacks, similar-ish, right? Paris Theater, Orlando Nightclub, same kind of idea. People so terrified, they can't think to open up the back door so terrified they can't think to jump behind a barrier three feet away from them so terrified that the medical examiner says it was as if people just laid down right where they were how interesting Now, real quick, I don't mean to do this whole holier than now. Well, you know, if I were there, I would have jumped from a chandelier and tackled it. Like, that's not what I mean. But there's something about that there's a power in being prepared emotionally and mentally and spiritually for something like this. And we are just not. We, we are so prosperous. We live in such amazing times and no one even knows it. No one even realizes it. No one even cares. That we have no clue what to do when something like this happens to us. I'll give you an example. Um, well, let me pull this up here. Mm-hmm. Where is it? I'm sorry. Hold on. Pending. Please hold. Here we go. 
So remember the article a couple of days ago. Sorry, I didn't have that up. Uh, it was a New York Daily News writer. Do you remember? And he, he went to a gun store and he shot an AR-15 for the first time, which of course was not the gun that the terrorist used, but whatever. Shot an AR-15 for the first time because this is all about weapons of war, right? That term, this term, weapons of war. <laughs> this is what the news. This is what the Daily News writer said. The recoil bruised my shoulder. The brass shell casings disoriented me as they flew past my face. The smell of sulfur and destruction made me sick. The explosions, loud like a bomb, gave me a temporary case of PTSD. For at least an hour after firing the gun just a few times, I was anxious and irritable. Now, on my Facebook page right now, you can search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. We have video of a seven-year-old girl shooting an AR-15 for the first time. A seven-year-old girl. Her dad's right behind her and is doing an amazing job in coaching her through it. And she fires it. And he goes, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, that was great. And he goes, okay, finger back on the trigger. Let's go ahead and fire again. How do you feel? That was fun. And fires a couple more times. Seven-year-old girl. Now, the only reason I bring that up is because the guy, the New York Daily News writer, he must have deleted the post. He must, Hold on. I'm sorry. He must have deleted this because I don't see where it is. It was something like, his name's Gersh Kuntzman. Gersh. There we go. Gersh Kuntzman. Twitter. I think he deleted it. Um, he said, because I wrote, yeah, he deleted it. Oh, here it is. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, many people have, many people have sent me a video of a seven-year-old girl firing an AR-15. Sorry, but I find it horrifying. Hashtag not the only one. And I wrote back and I said, yeah, it's horrifying that this dad would teach his daughter gun safety. Isn't that horrifying? Horrifying that this dad would raise his daughter to understand what gunfire sounds like. Because that's what this. I've I've watched a lot of interviews with people who were in that club, and they're like, "Well, we thought it was the music," because they have no they have no idea what it really sounds like. If this girl, she grows up, if she's ever involved in some sort of uh, firing situation or whatever, she'll know exactly what it is. She'll know exactly what to do, and she will get out alive. I find it horrifying that more parents don't do exactly what this dad did, and teach their kids how to be safe around guns. And what's horrifying is that this guy in the daily news would rather shield his children and all children from guns, which puts them in more danger if they ever happen to come across a gun too, because they're going to be curious about it. You know, all this, they're going to pick it up. They're going to fire. That's how people get uh, kids get killed because they don't really know what a gun is. They don't have any respect for it.
Now, I'm not even going to make a point on the crisis of manhood where a cat's like, ow, AR-15 hurt my shoulder. Or the stuff about, you know, PTSD. Give me a break, buddy. I'm not going to make those arguments. But it's fascinating how, as the lead singer said, how mentally, uh, how unarmed we are. Literally unarmed and mentally unarmed. But I know you're not one of those people. On either account. You can see that video of the seven-year-old girl. It is hilarious. The seven-year-old girl is so with it, so comfortable, so prepared. It's awesome. You can check it out on our Facebook page. You can search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook and watch that there. One eight eight eight. And someone someone wrote our our seven. Oh, this is great. Our seven and eleven-year-old boys don't have anything but a smile after shooting our ARs. And then the next person wrote, "This is sick." Okay, so there's a. <laughs> It's a good little conversation about to be had on the Mike Slater Show Facebook page. Please be a part of it. Again, Mike Slater Show on Facebook. 1-888-900-3393. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Mike Slater is on. Uh-oh. Started a bit of a thing on Facebook. I didn't... First of all, if on our Facebook page, if you write any uh, swear word, swear-ish word that starts with the letter P, we will hide that comment so no one will see it, so don't do it. And really, any F word, F, F word, we will hide that as well. Mom, there's kids here, people. Uh, but it looks like we got two ferocious battles going on in one Facebook post. Uh, I'm going to pin this one to the top so you can see it. Uh, we have a religious battle going on for some reason and a uh, Second Amendment battle. Uh, please engage. Enjoy. Spread it around. But this video of this seven-year-old girl is adorable and hilarious in light of the Daily News writer. It's like, ow, my shoulder. Um... I think I've I think I've read this before, but I want to do it again because I think it's it's nice because I've had this theme throughout the show today, and it's maybe my standards are just different. I I don't know I don't know why I see it this way, but I was listening to uh, a different show and someone said someone called in and said you know when this starts to happen more often than anyone on, and the host cut him off and said more often it happens like once a month we get a, a terrorist attack somewhere. And once a month's a ton. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want it to happen at all. But but that's not a lot. Or no, no, that's not, that's not enough to wake people up. That's what I meant to say. That's not enough to wake people up. It's going to have to happen all the time. Like once a week. Once a week, if not every other day, before people start to really wake up and see what's going on. There's no doubt about that. So I'll prove how ignorant we can be, willfully ignorant. It's all happened before, the same type of ignorance. So, 1939. Germany invaded Poland, and France and England declared war on Germany. 1939, this is called the Phony War. Because after France and England declared war on Germany, nothing happened for the next eight months. And everyone in France and Germany was celebrating that the war would be over so quickly. And it wasn't even that the war would be over. They were celebrating that this is what war is now. It was great. 
never, never, Neville Chamberlain thought that it would be over by the summer. Um, and, and people across England were celebrating that they found a new way to wage war without any human casualties. It's amazing. So, <laughs> so they did nothing while the Germans prepared for a full-on war. This is William Manchester. He's uh, one of Winston Churchill's biographers. He wrote, this is about 1939. He said, the British, possessing a better record on European battlefields than most, ought to have been more realistic. They weren't. Instead, they were complacent. The country looked fine. Therefore, the country was fine. In the autumn, the Times had proclaimed Britain's grim determination to see it all through. But nine months after the outbreak, after the beginning of the war, English life had returned to normal. Idle men dozed on Hyde Park deck chairs. The sheep lazed away the days in London's park enclosures. And adoring crowds gathered by the nearby duck ponds. Nightlife was as innocent and diverting as ever. John Gielgud was King Lear. Emlyn Williams' light of heart played to busy houses. Everywhere in the West End, the most popular dance tunes were the American Deep Purple and Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Clearly, Londoners were less interested in the war than in the rituals of peace. And the Times, ever the vigilant recorder of multifarious ornithological sightings, reported the return of swallows, cuckoos, and even nightingales. Get the idea, right? They're, they're fighting a war. Germany's over there preparing for war. And uh, in uh, England, it's, oh, uh, look, the swallows are back. Oh, but the, uh, the cuckoo birds and the nightingales. and Oh, great new plays and movies and... It'd be like today, like, oh, we're fighting a war here, and you're all distracted by your basketball matches. Which I watched as well, but still, you get the idea. So it was Winston Churchill who tried to wake up the country. He said, hey, hey, everyone, there's more than a million German soldiers drawn up, ready to attack on an hour's notice. At any moment, all these countries are going to be subjected, this is a quote, subjected to an avalanche of steel and fire. And that decision rests in the hands of the haunted, morbid being who, to their eternal shame, the German people have worshipped as a god. That's Hitler. People ask, what is it that Britain and France are even fighting for? And to this I answer, if we stop the fighting, you will soon find out. That's us today. What are we even fighting for anyway with ISIS? And we go on with our lives going to have to get a lot worse before people start to wake up. You stand strong. Keep fighting. And keep telling people the truth. They'll wake up eventually. And when they do, they'll turn to you. Mike Slater Show on Facebook. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is Mike Slater. I'm going to put a video on Facebook here in a minute. Well, I'm going to think about it first, and then I may not, but I think I'm going to put up this video. Um, have you ever heard of the killing of Farkunda? 
There's a woman in Afghanistan who was stoned and killed in the street by a giant mob. And the New York Times has video of the whole thing. It's unbelievable. Um, I think we need to see it. I think people need to know that this is this is real. This is what it looks like. Um, so I think I'm going to put that on Facebook. I'm not sure. Um, so earlier today, we uh, replayed an interview we did yesterday with Milo Yiannopoulos. He's a gay British conservative. And he goes on college speaking tours and violates people's safe spaces. Uh, and I don't always agree with him. His, his showmanship is not my style, but that's okay. Teach his own, right? Uh, he was on another show a while back, and uh, he said this about Islam, 840. Refuses to accept that these, people, um, these people's belief systems are just dramatically incompatible with our own. And, you know, the regular citizenry is being lied to and, and lied about constantly, all the time, by the media on this stuff. Um, we have a population that is not able to protect itself, that is not adequately informed about the risks, the dangers of radical Islam. And um, the problem in Europe is that this stuff is now happening everywhere. No one is safe anywhere in Europe. It's happened in Paris, it's happened in London, it's happened in Brussels. No one is safe from this stuff. And what, is the gov- what, what, what do our politicians leap to the airways to say? I really want to make it clear it has nothing to do with Islam. Well, it does. Yeah. It does. And as a gay man, you know, I'm terrified by the prospect of mass Muslim immigration into Europe. Um, it's one of the reasons I spend so much time in America now. I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah, so let's back up a little bit. It's interesting that your initial response to that is to talk about our reaction to it rather than the ideology. You know, because I mean? nothing surprises you're not, you're me not about denying this. the ideology. You're obviously no, Nothing surprises me about this. Why are we surprised that Muslims are blowing things up? That's what they do. Like, I don't care about that. You know, like, it's, it's, it's horrific for the people who are, who are on the receiving end of this terrorist stuff. But is anybody surprised that ISIS blew something up? No. Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you a little of Internet hate. You do make the <laughs> distinction between the nominal Muslim person, the average person need, that's a Muslim that doesn't take their religion you don't need to seriously. Do, you don't need to do me that favor. No, I don't care too much for that distinction. Um, it is not extremists. It's not radical um, Islamists. It's not the people the security services uh, are worried about that, um, you know, that, that are the problem. It is the silent majority of Muslims who do nothing on, in this situation, have no peace movement, no resistance to their own extreme elements, just like the progressive left in the West. And in 11, is it 11 countries, you and I could be killed for who we are. That's not ISIS. That is mainstream Muslim culture. And we are importing that stuff into Europe by, you know, in, in, in millions. No, I don't make a meaningful distinction between these things because I don't care. I don't see any reason to import these cultures into liberal Western democracies. I see no reason to do it whatsoever. And as uh, Bridget Gabriel once very brilliantly said, in any case, the peaceful majority are irrelevant. It is not the peaceful majority that blow up buildings. It is the extremists. And, and right now in the world, all of this stuff is coming from one culture and one religion, and I don't want it here. Milo went on to say that the Christian right may not be totally down with gays. And Trump may say things that hurt our delicate feelings, but they aren't going to kill us or put us in camps. Only Islam would do that. The same Islam that bizarrely now stands at the top of the left's hierarchy of victimhood. And, and we talked a lot about this this last week on my local show that the problem with putting Muslims on the top of the victim hierarchy is that they want to kill everyone else on the list doesn't make any sense so again this video that i'm going to put on facebook maybe in a couple minutes is of a mob of hundreds of men killing this woman Uh, how can a liberal a progressive who 
is going to vote for Hillary solely because she's a woman. It's about time we had a woman president. I love women. I'm a feminist. I was like, watch this video and say, I want more of those people here. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. And this is really happening. And Milo mentions a lot this poll done in uh, 2009. They asked 1,001 British Muslims if homosexuality was morally acceptable. And not a single one, not one, said that it that it is. Now, I bet if they ask that same question to 1,001 American Christians if homosexuality is morally acceptable, I don't know, maybe you'd get 85% say no. But then the next question is, do you want to kill them? <laughs> the answer would be zero. None of them would say so. But 96% of Palestinians believe that homosexuality is unacceptable and punishable by death. Punishable by death. So that's the distinction that people can't make. Someone called into my local show yesterday and said, well, Slater, listen, uh, you know, I went to Catholic school growing up and uh, Christianity um, and the Bible talks all, all about uh, killing the gays. And that's all I remember growing up hearing is that homosexualities, uh, homosexuals are, are going to going to hell. I said, all right, first of all, Old Testament, New Testament, we don't go into that now. But sure, uh, let's say uh, a Christian goes up to a gay person and says, uh, you know, I believe that your sin uh, is sending you to hell. I say, okay, I forget the guy's name, uh, but okay. But in the meantime, so yeah, okay, this person, uh, you're going to hell, whatever. In the meantime, though, like from the from now until you do go to hell, what does the Bible tell that Christian to do? How, how should me be more specific? How should that Christian treat that person who they think? Is going down. What's the Bible say to that? And he wouldn't answer because he knew the answer. And the answer is love them. You love them. Now in Islam, the answer is you behead them. So you cannot possibly tell me that these religions are the same. Now, when you got these Muslim countries around the world, 11 of them that will throw you off a building for being gay and 96% of Palestinians, 96%, you can't get 96% of people to agree on anything. But there's a group in America called Queers for Palestine. What? And as we talked to Milo yesterday, I brought that up and he's like, yeah, go take one of these gay people, throw them in Palestine. And how long do you think it'll take before they're on the Israeli border begging to be let in? That is as dumb as Jews for Hitler. And it's frustrating that, and we we outlined this all earlier, I'm not going to do it again, but how the battle lines have been drawn and this has been turned into a, from a Islamic terrorist attack from an Islamic uh, a terrorist attack from an Islamic extremist into a uh, homophobic hate crime from Christians like huh the reason I get so frustrated about that other than the obvious is you would think that the Christian position on this because Christians are so bigoted and horrible and awful you'd think the Christian position would be good 50 fewer gay people here but like, no, there's not a single person in this country who has that opinion. Not one. Everyone's reaction is to grieve for the families and for the people who are traumatized by this. And I just, I, I thought a lot about the people lying on the bathroom floor for three hours, three hours, praying that he doesn't, praying to a God, by the way, that we're told doesn't exist, but praying that this terrorist doesn't walk into that bathroom and just kill everyone there three hours or the people on the dance floor who laid there pretending to be dead next to people who are dead for three hours. He can't move. Can't make a noise. Can't breathe. 
Maybe you're already shot. Three hours? Are you kidding me? I, I'll, I'll ask someone how a movie was that they saw this last weekend, and they'll be like, it was okay, but man, it's so long. It was like two and a half hours. They had to lay, pr- pretend to play dead for three hours on the dance floor. Unbelievable. And we agree for that. That's all we've thought about this last week, but somehow they were able to turn around and make me the bad guy, make you the bad guy. Make this a progressive versus conservative thing when it needs to be an American versus terrorist thing. Stunning how that's been able to happen. I'll give one last thought on this. Um, This is a uh, quote from the East Orlando Post. It's a quote from a veteran investigator and former Orlando law enforcement officer. He said, quote, I've been in this business for 30 years, and we all in law enforcement have talked about one of the theme parks getting hit by these terrorists. Never in all my years of training and being involved in several investigative units and and FBI task forces, task forces, never would we have ever guessed an LGBT club be the target of a terrorist attack. I heard that quote the other day about fell off my chair. You never would have guessed it. Never. Why? 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 How? How How could you never have like that? You want to know why they never would have guessed it? Because they've been trained. We've been trained to believe that in the hierarchy of victimhood, Muslims are at the top and they're all super peaceful and it's all Islamophobia and they would never go after gay people because why would they do that? They're the biggest victims of all. They never go after another group on the victim hierarchy. I want to be very specific. In 2001, John Brennan, who uh, was then the assistant to the president on national security um, uh, for, what was his title? Uh, assistant to the president on national security for homeland security and counterterrorism, something like that. Anyway, big time guy. He issued a training program for law enforcement about Islamic extremists. Okay, this is just after 9-11. So all law enforcement, here's what Muslims believe. I'm sure in that original argument, there was, oh, Muslims hate gay people. Here's the 11 countries around the world, Muslim countries that will kill you for being gay. Okay. Right when they sent that out, 57 Muslim organizations, including CARE, sent a letter denouncing, in their words, the use of biased, false, and highly offensive training materials about Muslims and Islam. Long story short, in the name of political correctness, all the material was purged. It was all scrapped and replaced with what CARE And all these Muslim organizations wanted law enforcement to learn about them, which is all peace, wonderful, loving, all that. So no doubt purged from the original material was that Islamic extremists hate gay people. That's why this law enforcement officer, 30 years, said, (laughs) never crossed our mind. See where the political correctness is getting you? See how that's really killing people? That's a direct, that's a direct, like, that's political crime that's killed people. That's directly straight up what that is. We'll play one more Milo clip and uh, flip, we can go out with this. 841. Do we have 841? Oh my goodness gracious, we don't have it. That's my fault. All right, I want to come back. I only have a few minutes. I'll play the clip when we get back. Um, I want to talk about Islamophobia real quick and where that word came from. It came from uh, a guy, Trevor Phillips, 20 years ago. And Trevor Phillips has something to say about that word now. Um, Actually, I'll quote from him. He said, uh, I couldn't have been more wrong. 
We'll do it next. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Mike Slater. I've got to the point where I'm thinking, look, the West, the West that Islam hates so much, is what has given us gay rights. It has provided, the, you know, for women, it's given women the vote. It has ended slavery, which is, you know, not the case everywhere, everywhere in the world. It has given gay people and women all of the rights we now enjoy. There is effective blanket equality in, in the West for all of these people. Yeah, and Im- every other minority, too. Exactly. Importing Muslims is going to turn the clock back. And this is what you talk about when you when you co- uh, coin and popularize this phrase, regressive left, which came from this show, right? But you don't go far enough. What, reg- what does a regressive left mean? It means it's going to take us backwards into an era of hatred and bigotry. Well, the left seems to want to import Muslims by their millions into all of our countries. That's a regressive consequence, and it's not just terrorism. Got three minutes to make this argument. Trevor Phillips, uh, real quick, the word Islamophobia, that's what I want to talk about. It's kind of a uh, new word. It's uh, started in 1997. So Trevor Phillips was the head of England's Equalities and Human Rights Commission. It's their Civil Rights Commission. In 1997, he issued what's called the Phillips Report or the Runnymede Report. This is where that term came from. Uh, he felt that Muslims were coming into England and that people were treating them meanly. So he coined the term, added phobia, an irrational fear to the back of the word Islam. So any critique of Islam is now an irrational fear, a clinical neurosis. So 20 years ago, he issued that report. Here he is today. 20 years ago, I published the report Islamophobia, a challenge for us all. We thought that the real risk of the arrival of new communities was discrimination. Against Muslims. There was discrimination then, but we got almost everything else wrong. We estimated that the Muslim population of England would be approaching 2 million by 2020. We underestimated that by nearly a million. We completely failed to foresee the urban conflicts of 2001 that ravaged our northern cities. And of course, we didn't dream of 9-11 and the atrocities of Madrid, Paris, Istanbul, Brussels, and London. For a long time, I too thought that Europe's Muslims would become like previous waves of migrants, gradually abandoning their ancestral ways, wearing their religious and cultural baggage lightly, and gradually blending into Britain's diverse identity landscape. I should have known better. Some of my my journalist friends imagine that with time, the Muslims will grow out of it. They won't. This is incredibly fat. This isn't some right-wing hate guy. This, this is the guy who spearheaded the government effort to disprove criticism of Islam. And 20 years later, he's saying, oh, well, man, uh, couldn't have been more wrong about that old thing. So, And he says the biggest problem are, aren't the Muslims per se. It's the elite political and media class who simply refuse to acknowledge the truth. And any undesirable behaviors are attributed to poverty and alienation. And if they support violent extremism, then it must be the fault of the Americans. And oppression of women, women, oh, it's a cultural trait that will fade with time, nothing to do with the true face of Islam. And confronted with the growing pile of evidence to the contrary, they cling to the patronizing certainty that British Muslims will, over time, come to see that our ways are better. They won't. 
That's what he said. We'll keep this conversation going on our Facebook page. You can search for The Mike Slater Show on Facebook, and we'll see you next Saturday. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.